This episode of Books and Boba was brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from over 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll be getting the same audiobooks at the same price as some of the bigger audiobook sellers, while also supporting your favorite local bookstore. If you enjoy books like me but find it hard to find time to read, audiobooks are the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen to them while doing chores, driving around, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app available on iOS and Android. Listeners of Books and Boba can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Just go to Libro.fm, that's L I B R O.fm, and enter the code Books and Boba. Again, get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one month by going to Libro.fm and entering the code Books and Boba. And now the show. You're listening to. And welcome back to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And my name is Ri Rayu. And we are here on week three of Asian American Heritage Month. And week three of Books and Boba's inaugural Asian Books Challenge. Rira, how are you doing? How are you surviving? Um, I'm surviving on coffee. It's been, it's been a very busy, it's been a very busy week. And then next week is even busier. Um, as fun as it's been, uh, with like the books challenge and just like following all of the, uh, Asian American author events that have been happening online. I'm tired. <laughs> so I can't wait until, uh, until June happens. Yeah. Not to be like a broken record about this, but it's been, extra tiring this month i think because of all the virtual events and i definitely feel like i am screen fatigued as much as i was on screens already it's been at least double this last few months yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely. i just need to like unplug for all of june which is not possible because we still need to you know work and do stuff but oh man it's times like these where i'm glad i got a paper white kindle and not one of those like lcd ones you know Okay, well, I have one of those LCD ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have like, I, I do have like the first, no, it's not the first one. Maybe it's like the third model of, of the Kindle. Uh, it's not paper white. It's, it's still like grayscale. Mm. It was actually like uh, the first, like it was actually a birthday present uh, that I got from Dan for the first time. And then on a different birthday, my friend also bought me a Kindle and it was like, the Kindle Fire, so I was like, okay, well, <laughs> like it's it's. I, I guess people give me Kindles for my birthday, and I just you know I don't get to pick which one uh, comes in. So hey, yeah, you got a brand. People know what you want. That's true. I have a very very clear brand. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here this week to talk about the book news of May twenty twenty. Um, Despite it being a slow period for the economy, there were quite a few book deals that came out during this time. I guess with more people stuck at home, there is more people writing. That's my theory. I don't know. 
Well, you know how publishing works. Like, uh, it says, like, books are going to come out in 2021, 2022. But these deals were, like, these books were probably written, like, maybe a year before, back in, like, 2019, 2018. So, like, publishing is always on a weird, like, two to three year schedule. We'll also be recapping week three of Asian Books Challenge. So stick around for that. But, um, Rira, let's just get into it. Why don't you start us off with our first story? All right. So in a six-figure auction, Simon Pulse bought MIT student and her campus 22 under 22 honoree Rona Wang's debut novel, You Had Me at Hello World. The YA rom-com follows a Chinese-American teen who is invited to a weekend-long coding competition at MIT, where she teams up with a cute tech industry prodigy to work on an app to help immigrants connect and put down roots. Publication is slated for spring 2022. Ah, uh, yes. The summer camp rom-com. I really like the title. Hello, you, you have me at Hello World. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever program a Hello World app? Wait, there's a Hello World app? <laughs> I thought it was I, I thought it was like a reference to the romantic line you had me at Hello. Oh yeah, but Hello World is a uh, basically it's the first thing you ever learn in computer programming. It's a one-line program that just has to compile a return Hello World on the screen. Yeah, no, I <laughs> that just like f- that just flew over my head. Nope. <laughs> it's um yeah, it's it's lesson one of any computer programming class you take in uh, in high school or in. Uh... I, I have not taken a single <laughs> programming class. So mm. I took a C plus plus class in high school. That was fun. The only coding I know is from like Zanga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next story: Berkeley acquired Jesse Q. Sutanto's Dial A for Aunties, pitched as Crazy Rich Asians meets Weekend at Bernie's. The book follows a young wedding photographer who, along with her mother's and aunts, tries to hide the body of her blind date while working the wedding day of a wealthy client. Publication is tentatively set for April 2021. This is intriguing to me. Yeah. Do you do you think like okay, so hypothetically, if you killed someone, do you think your family would help you cover it up? I think they would. They would? Mhm. <laughs> well, it sounds like for this book, uh there's no murder that happened. It it just happens that yeah. her blind date like dropped dead or something. It's like, <laughs> "Oh god." <laughs> well, you know how it goes. Something happens and then your mom and your aunties get really paranoid and force you to do things that you don't really want to do, but you know, they insist. We've all been there. Uh, next up, Harper Collins, Balzer, and Bray bought The Legacies and another YA novel by Stonewall Honor author Abdi Nazemian. The Legacy follows five wildly different teens who confront their boarding school's culture of abuse while facing their own demons in an exclusive writing class. Publication is planned for spring 2021. So Abdi Nazamian is the author of The Authentics, and I've heard uh, wonderful reviews about that book. So I'm guessing that this book will also be uh, pretty great to read. I love books. I love books that are set uh, that are set in boarding school. Maybe <laughs> it's because like there's just like this romantic notion to it because it's like college for for like high school students. Because you're like away from your parents, and it's like, <laughs> and it's just like a question of like how, like how would you act without like your parents about when you're that young? Mm, that's true. When you're only um, 
when, when your only, like only parent, parental figure is like your Robin Williams character from not Stand and Deliver. What's that movie? The one with the Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society. Oh, our next story is um, Harper Alley acquired world rights to Friendbots by former Google product designer Vicky Fang, who is also the author of the Layla and the Bots series. The STEM-inspired early graphic novel series is about friendship and robots. Publication of both books is set for spring 2021. It's never too early to get the kids started in STEM. Yeah, and through uh, graphic novels, it, it seems. That's like really, that's like really nice. Um, it's, we, we have been seeing an influx of uh, graphic novels and memoirs for younger kids and uh, also novels about like science. I mean, the next generation is like, they have the task of, they have the daunting task of trying to save this planet. So, <laughs> so gotta start early, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So next up, we have Harper Collins acquired world rights to playing at the border, a story of Yo-Yo Ma by Joanna Ho. Illustrated by Teresa Martinez, the picture book centers cellist Yo-Yo Ma using his music to build bridges instead of walls, a testament to music, humanity, and what unites us. Publication is set for fall 2021. No, Yo-Yo Ma is probably the first person I ever saw like on TV as an Asian person. You know, like, he's like one of those oh, the, really? first, like, public <laughs> figures, you know? like Wow, that's like really, like, that's really unexpected. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, like, there weren't that many on on TV. It was, like, Connie Chung, Michael Chang, and Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Uh, since my family, like, half like half of my mom's side of the family are musicians, are classical music- <laughs> musicians. Like, I've heard of Yo-Yo Ma, but, like, to me, it was like, oh, there's so many Asian classical musicians. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like, I didn't really see the big deal uh, around mm. Yo-Yo Ma until like much later when I got into you know the Asian American <laughs> community and you know heard about like the impact of uh, Yo-Yo Ma's work. So yeah, yeah, uh, picture book. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Little Brown Poppy acquired North American rights to Mariko Turk's debut YA novel, The Other Side of Perfect. The story features a 16-year-old ballerina whose life-changing injury thrusts her back into the halls of a normal high school. As she navigates a world without her passion, she discovers friendship and romance and finally confronts the discrimination in the dance industry that she tried hard to ignore. Publication is scheduled for summer 2021. Yo, I love ballet books. (laughs) Especially ballet drama. I love ballet dramas. I love (laughs) ballet movies. I don't think there's a single like movie or show that is about ballet that I have not seen. And I say that with confidence. (laughs) I I had friends who were in ballet companies when they were like, you know, when they were children. So it's, it's really, really intense. Um, Like, I don't know how they did it while they were still enrolled in public school. Yeah. And and um, it's a, it's an industry and community, I guess, audience that is notoriously, um, if not, actively hostile like passively hostile to people of color right so i think it's cool that this book is addressing those issues yeah uh next up harper collins bought debut author vanessa lens monsters trilogy which is set in london when the boy she loves turns out to be a legendary monster slayer teen half monster joan must embrace her own monstrousness to stop him from killing everyone she cares about 
The first installment, Only a Monster, will publish in fall 2021. <laughs> so what what is this genre? Like, it's not enemies to lovers because they're already... Yeah, it's a more of a Romeo and Juliet thing, right? Where they're like on opposite sides of like a war. Uh, like, uh, I guess so. Like, yeah, what is, I, what is this what, trope? What is because, this? <laughs> rivals to lovers? <laughs> mm, but they're already lovers, know. though. That's true. It's like lover turns out to have secret identity and wants to kill everyone you love. Wants to kill everyone you love, but it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Because like like for for like the first couple of seasons, uh, Buffy's love interest is a vampire. (laughs) Right. Angel, right? Yeah, Angel. (laughs) So you have like that going on. Well, and then it becomes Spike, who is also a vampire. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Buffy was great. Buffy was a great show, <laughs> but it's definitely a product of its time. Because yeah. if you go back and watch it now, there are some like there there are some representations on on like women that I am that kind of is old. A Joss Whedon property has problematic representation of women. I know, but that was his best one though. <laughs> like. I, I guess it, I guess it's not just him because it's a television show. So mm. like, um, that's probably why it stood the test of time so far. But we'll see in yeah. a couple of years. See if it stands for for longer. Well, this this story sounds great, and um, I'm excited to hear more about it um, from people who read it, or if I read it, who knows? Uh, next up, Razor Bill has acquired Sylvia Liu's debut middle grade novel. Hannah Sue and the Ghost Crab Nation. A 12-year-old girl must save her classmates from a corporate plot that threatens their ability to connect to the Bounty Web through neural implants, only to discover that her scientist mother may also be involved in the conspiracy. Publication is planned for summer 2022. Yo, this is like middle grade cyberpunk. Yeah, I know, middle grade cyberpunk thriller. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a really fun genre, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. You know, you got to start these kids young, expose them to STEM, expose them to, you know, cyberpunk concepts of like um, augmented reality and virtual reality and and um, also corporate greed. So I was about to say, like, we need to we need to expose children to uh, corporate greed and how capitalism is bad. And I mean, uh, if you think about it. The corporate dystopia that we see often portrayed in cyberpunk stories is going to be their reality when they grow up, you know, in like 20, 30 years. Yep. (laughs) On that depressive note, uh, next up, Simon & Schuster bought Of Blood and Briars, a queer YA fantasy by Rebecca Kim Wells. Cursed to kill all those she touches, Lena endures an isolated life on the run from her fellow humans. But when an enigmatic stranger offers to help her break the curse in exchange for her aid in assassinating a princess hidden in an enchanted forest, Lena embarks on a quest to win her freedom, no matter the cost. Publication is slated for fall 2021. Hmm. Curse to kill all those she touches. So it's like kind of like Midas's touch, but only with death. <laughs> yes, exactly like that. <laughs> the death touch. Um, this sounds pretty cool. Um, not to be not to predict the plot, but she probably falls in love with the princess, right? Is this where we're going? Yeah, I mean, there's like a queer murder, y- murder queer love triangle. Fantasy. Yeah, 
Murder triangle, murder love triangle. Yeah. Sounds great. HarperCollins acquired One Wish by M.O. Yuxel, a picture book biography about Fatima Al-Firi, the ninth century Muslim woman who pioneered the world's oldest university, which is still operating today. Miriam Qureshi will illustrate publication is set for winter 2022. I love picture book biographies, by the way. <laughs> it's cool to see more picture books about subjects we're not exposed to regularly, right? Yeah, and there's like women don't really show up in ancient history or like much older history. Um, yeah. Historical tales are always kind of erased from uh, from history and their accomplishments are usually stolen by men. So it's really nice that <laughs> there is a picture book on a remarkable woman of color and who is also uh, Muslim. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, next up, Scholastic bought world rights to educator and STEAM expert Reka S. Rajun's Amazing Landmarks, an illustrated compendium of 10 iconic global landmarks with interactive stories that prompt readers to understand how and why each was built and explore the unique challenges faced in design and construction. Alex Asfor, graphic artist and founder of Idea Storm Studios, will illustrate. And wow. there is no publication date that is mentioned here. So like a civil engineering visual guide. Do you remember those books back in? I don't know. So I might be, this might be before your time because I am at least half a decade older than you. But there was like the series of picture books by Scholastic. Each of them would be about like a different subject, like castles or knights or, um, I don't know, dinosaurs or whatever. Do you remember those? Did you? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I feel so bad because I'm making you feel so old. Well, this reminds me of those. Like kind of you just you know, go through, look at the pretty pictures and also learn about, you know, civil engineering, which is cool. I have a lot of friends who are civil engineers, so... I think it's cool to have people, you know, architects get all the praise for like designing cool buildings, but it's really the civil engineers that make sure that those buildings don't fall down and kill people. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, Candlewick bought world rights to Summa Subramaniam's debut picture book, Namaste is a Greeting. An exploration of Namaste through everyday observation and simple actions to honor the divine within all people. Sanya Prabhat will illustrate. Uh, publication is set for fall 2022. I feel like Namaste is like one of those words like aloha, which has been like appropriated to like oblivion in like mainstream pop oh, culture. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's... Uh... Like, I mean, like, yoga is now, like, I, I feel like people who do yoga now, like, they forget that it, it is, like, it's from India, and yeah. it's not just, like, invented by, like, white people <laughs> here. There's so many yoga studios in Pasadena, y'all, <laughs> and they're all run by white people, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harper Collins acquired world rights to Rise Up and Write It, written by Nandini Ahuja and illustrated by Anusha Syed, an interactive storybook about a young activist determined to build a new community garden for her neighborhood that is both a celebration of civic engagement and a reminder that anyone can make a difference. Publication is slated for winter 2021. Damn, all these books um, teaching our young people to be better than us. I mean, that's the point of picture books, right? <laughs> Grow up to be a good person. I know. <laughs> before, before the world corrupts you. Learn from our mistakes. Yeah, next up, Knopf has bought Elizabeth Lim's YA fantasy duology, Six Crimson Cranes, a reimagining of the Wild Swans fairy tale 
and a third untitled work. Set in the same world as Spin the Dawn, Six Crimson Cranes centers on an exiled princess who must unweave the curse that turned her brothers into cranes. Assisted by her spurned betrothed, uh, a mercurial dragon, and a paper bird brought to life by her own magic. Publication of the first book is scheduled for summer 2021. So the Wild Swan's Fairy Tale. That's a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. That's the Swan Princess, right? No, that's that's different. There are several <laughs> there are several uh fairy tales that that are surround like that have swans in it. Well, I love that they did a twist here where it's the um the boys that became the birds and not the the princess. Yeah. Um from from what I remember of the fairy tale, um, in order for her to like return her brothers into human form, she has to like make this net out of nettle, and uh, she's not allowed to speak. And a prince and a prince finds her, and pretty much like everyone in the town is like, "Why is she so weird? Why is she not talking? Why is she why is she making this net like a like a witch?" Pretty much. And, um, what happens is like, she tosses, like, you know, she tosses the net and her brothers turn into, uh, turn back into humans, except for one of them who's like arm didn't make it into the net. So like, he kind of has like one arm that's a wing, which is pretty cool. Um, but that is, that is all I remember about this fairy tale. I don't really remember the morals of the story. I mean, so that I'm seems really like a curious. pretty comprehensive summary of the plot. So you remember quite a bit. I remember fairy tales uh, pretty well. It's because <laughs> it's because I read them like I read them so many times as a kid. I actually have like a collector's a, like a like a full edition of Grimm's fairy tales, and I think I have like a copy of Hans Christian Andersen's wow. uh, fairy tales like in my bookshelf somewhere. Like the somewhere. OG text where it's all like creepy and like oh yeah it's like the original tales yeah (laughs) nice harper collins tegan bought katrina moore and zoe c's teeny houdini series pitched as junie b jones meets dory Fantasmori. the chapter books follow bessie lee the teeniest girl in her first grade class and the disaster that follows when her magic tricks go awry the first two books are scheduled for winter 2022 now i know it's not my like um area of expertise or even age but junie b jones and dory phantasmagory does do those mean anything to you no it does not <laughs> it's been it's been a very long time since you know i read chapter books even for like even for other kids so <laughs> um i'm i'm pretty curious That's as true. to how this book is gonna be yeah like i was never the smallest girl in in my class um i think i was pretty average and then Uh-oh. everybody caught their growth spurt like super late and then i <laughs> and then i ended up like in the bottom bottom tier and then i went to college and i grew like three inches so now i'm like a little bit taller than than other asian girls and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, i've i've and never you're really had tall. i've never had that experience i was always if not the tallest, one of the tallest kids in my class. And I've been six feet tall since like freshman year of high school. So, uh, yeah, I do not relate, but I do, um, I do empathize with. with. (laughs) (laughs) 
How is the air up there? It's it's great. Tons of stuff to run into. This world is not built for tall people. Well, you can see over people's heads when you go to concerts. <laughs> it's true. Um, well, not anymore. Everyone has their phones up. Now there's all these phones in my way. Technology has ruined our, our concert going experience. And finally, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt uh, acquired Jeff Yang, Angry Asian Man, Phil Yu's, and Wang Fu Productions, Philip Wang's nonfiction title, Rise Asian America from the 1990s to Now. The book is described to be a visual history of how generations of Asian Americans powered through stereotypes and mainstream exclusion to push their community into the spotlight and make their culture irresistibly cool. So this is um this is a book written by our friends, which is pretty cool. Uh, Angry yeah, Asian that's Man. True. Um, and Jeff Yang are both um, fellow potluck podcasters. Um, they have a podcast called They Call Us Bruce on our potluck network. And Phil Wang, of course, is one of the founders of Wong for Productions, one of the um, original uh, Asian American content creators on the internet. We actually went to college together. Like we weren't friends back then, but we were at UCSD at the same time, which is really cool. So you pretty much like were there for the lip sync videos, which were like the <laughs> early Wong Fu work. I remember sharing those on our college FTP uh, drives because, yeah, this was like three or four years before YouTube even came out. So the only way to share videos is to download them off of like um, FTP drives. Um, so, so we all had the link to Phil's FTP, and then we were sharing that link to our friends in other colleges. And that's how the whole thing spread. So like back in the day, viral videos weren't just like share a link. Like you had to share a link, download it, and then play it on your computer. Yeah, it's it's crazy that it was before YouTube. Because YouTube, YouTube came, became like mainstream in 2008. So it... Yeah, I think it's also when um, a lot of Asian American YouTubers came into prominence. So you have like uh, David Choi and um, AJ Raphael. I think that's when they started posting their music. And there was just like this renaissance Mm -hmm. of um, like Asian American musicians and also filmmakers who were posting their work. Yeah. And yeah, like. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure like Jeff Phil's and uh, Philip Wang's book will cover all of that. Well, congrats to them on their um, book deal. I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. And probably have their have them on our show. Once it comes out. <laughs> I know. Finally, finally, our worlds intersect. And with that, that'll do it for our book news roundup for May 2020. That was a lot of stories. We, were, we went through like that was like almost half an hour of book deals. You say it's a half an hour of book deals, but we don't know how long it's going to be once it's edited down. <laughs> yeah, cut out all of our false starts and all the flubs that you will never hear. Yes, this is an edited show. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry to break your illusion. Yeah, that that this show is all is just like unedited. <laughs> Reba and I are actually terrible live readers, so there's a lot of editing to go around. Um, but yeah, let's um, wrap up this episode with our week three recap of Asian Books Challenge. For those of you following along, we are now at uh, day 15 for our recap. Uh, as of recording, we are on day 22. So um, let's get through it. Um, day 15, Central Asian main character. This one was obviously the hardest one <laughs> in our in our books challenge. Um, unfortunately, yeah. a lot of Central Asian authors are... You know, their works are not translated into English. Uh, They are translated into Russian. um, But Central Asia 
mostly like because of censorship, they like a lot of those books don't come our way. And a lot of American authors don't really feature Central Asian, uh, Central Asian characters. So I really wanted to like show people's blind spots for, for this challenge. Yeah. And this area is definitely a blind spot for me. I actually watch more Central Asian movies than I do read books from that region. Um, but I think so. So what I did here was go with, um, I cheated and just picked what Rira picked. I have my own picks. I, I actually recommended three books. <laughs> it was, it was very, very hard. So what was the book that you stole? From, um, from my recommendations. <laughs> I took the one that you put up on the official um, Books and Boba uh, profile. So The Dead Lake by Hami Ismailov, um, about a boy who um, who jumps into a radioactive lake to impress a girl and um, becomes um, growth-scented for the rest of his life. Um, I haven't read it yet, uh, but it sounds dramatic. I was about to say depressing, but I actually don't know if it's depressing or not. But Central Asia is one of those places that is constantly either being oppressed culturally or being oppressed economically and at the whims of the larger powers around them. So I think um, stories that explore that relationship is is really important for us to understand the impacts of like cultural imperialism on developing countries. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, the first book that I picked for this prompt was Half a World Away by Cynthia Kodohada. It's about a troubled Romanian adoptee boy who travels to Kazakhstan with his family um, when they're about to adopt his new baby sibling. And it kind of explores like what it means to be an adoptee and feel like... um, like feel like you you've been like caught up from your roots and um, pretty much like the protagonist feels like his parents are adopting a new baby because he's not enough. So it, so it kind of explores that theme. Mm. And Cynthia Kodohada is a Japanese American author, but she adopted her son from Kazakhstan. And um, I actually learned this quite a while ago. Um, I learned that, there's a lot of like there's a lot of Korean people in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan because yeah. uh, because like what happened was uh, there were a lot of Koreans who were living in Russia uh, way before World War II, World War One uh, way before the division of Korea and uh, once Stalin came to power and uh, the Japanese were colonizing um, colonizing Asian countries. Uh, Stalin was like, oh, we can't trust the uh, we can't trust the Koryo Saram, the the Korean people who are living in our country. So he exiled, uh, he deported over a hundred thousand uh, Korean people, and they ended up in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, and they were welcomed there, um, even though they struggled a lot in their early um, in their early years. Yeah. So I'm I, like, I really want to read books by uh, that diaspora. <laughs> but um, again, like they're not translated into English. Most of them are in Russian. And the other book that I recommended was The Tale of AP uh, by A.K. Walsapar. He's a Turkmenistan uh, author. 
And his book is about um, fishermen who live in this live in this like small town in Turkmenistan, and they're at the brink of losing their ancestral home uh, to the Soviets. So, uh, yeah, obviously, I have not read it, but <laughs> but it's a book <laughs> that I wish it was a. Uh, translated into english so that i can read it or maybe it is translated into english i'm not sure anyway moving on to day 16 uh day 16's prompt was mixed race asian main character marvin what did you pick i picked um rachel khan's goodbye vitamin which is a book that we read for book club god like a couple years ago now huh yeah yeah it's been it's been a while yeah, um, about a um, a young woman named Ruth who comes home to take care of her father who has the early stages of Alzheimer's disease um, and basically moves home in her, I want to say, like late 20s or 30s to um, kind of start over. Um, and the character herself is um, half Asian. I think her father is white. Her mother is Chinese, um, which is interesting because she's being played by um, Constance Wu in the um movie adaptation in, yeah in the adaptation i totally <laughs> forgot that that book is getting adapted yeah uh but i i really liked it because i think um as like one of those older millennials who had to move home after like life independent life didn't really pan out, out on the east coast um it really like a lot of the things she goes through like coming home and kind of seeing how everything has changed even though everything is the same um it really um it really invoked feelings in me so um yeah, um, definitely recommend this book. It's also a really fun. Um, it's a really fun book. It's pretty short. It's written in an interesting way, which for some people might be a turnoff, but I think uh, I think it pulls it off really well. It's very stylish. Yeah, um, I picked Starfish by Akemi Don Bowman. This is the book I have not read. Uh, trigger warnings: uh, anxiety, emotional abuse, uh, childhood sexual abuse, and suicide attempt. Uh, you can see why I have not read this book yet. I have to like mentally uh, prepare for it. Uh, it's a story that follows Kiko, who is a mixed race Japanese teen. Her mother is white. Her father is Japanese. And she grapples with social anxiety and um, self-loathing. And when she gets rejected by her dream art school, it just so happens that her abusive uncle moves in with the family at the same time. So she accepts this uh, road trip with her best friend to tour colleges in the West Coast. And it pretty much like explores how she copes with her anxiety. Mm. Um, I have heard wonderful things about this book. So I am, I do plan to read it at some point. I just have to mentally prepare myself for it. Uh, Day 17, Asian retelling of a fairy tale, myth, or classic. Read what did you pick? Uh, I picked Christina Sintornvat's A Wish in the Dark. Uh, we had Christina not that long ago. Was it Was it our last episode? That, last that, week's episode, yeah. Last week's episode. And uh, for those who do not know what the plot is of A Wish, to the, A Wish in the Dark, for those of you who don't know the plot of A Wish in the Dark, it's a Thai-inspired fantasy retelling of Les Miserables. So uh, it's a middle grade novel and it's really, really great. And we had a great conversation with Christina. So check out that episode. Yeah. Uh, my pick for this one is um, The Ghost Bride by uh, Yang Zichu. 
which I admit might be a little bit of a stretch because I'm like the case I'm building is that this is basically an Asian version of Dante's Inferno, even though it has nothing to do or is even in the adaptation of Dante's Inferno. It's our own thing, but I really couldn't think of anything else. So this is what I'm going with. Uh Day 18 of our challenge, mystery slash thriller by an Asian author. Yeah, for this one, I went with um, Naomi Hirohara's Mas Arai series, um, starting with The Summer of the Big Bocce, which is, was another one of our book club picks um, from last year about a Japanese-American gardener and like Hiroshima survivor who lives in Altadena, California and solves mysteries around town. And I really love it because A, the detective is a cranky old dude, which is really, you know, you're, you're used to all these like gentleman detectives who are like witty. And Mas Arai is like a dude who just like could not be bothered. Right? He's like the most reluctant, I'm too old for this shit type of guy, but he's also a really great investigator. Um, So it's really cool to have that as the main detective of the story and also to have the mysteries take place around L.A., especially in the first book when it's like, L.A., Pasadena, San Gabriel Valley, which is where I grew up. And also and also Little Tokyo, which is where our studio is located. Yeah, like all these places that I'm familiar with um, in book form. It's like Representation Overdrive. It's awesome. Uh, my pick was Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha. Um, it's actually based on a true case. It's based on the 1991 uh, murder of Latasha Harlins. Uh, Latasha was a 15-year-old who was shot by a Korean convenience store owner. Um, and it happened right around the time uh, of like the police beating of Rodney King. So um, it it's a book that pretty much explores the racial tensions between the Korean-American community and the Black community. And um, I think it goes, I, I think it starts in the 90s and then it jumps to um, like present day. I haven't read this book yet, but I just bought it. So I'm probably going to read it very, very soon. And uh, Steph Cha is actually a local author. So she lives in Los Angeles. Awesome. Uh, so a lot of her books have like very familiar uh, landmarks, just like Naomi Hirohara. Yeah. And this is another kind of major event that happened in LA history that like the, I feel like the full story hasn't been told, um, especially from a Asian Black perspective. Um, day 19, Southeast Asian main character. What did you have for this one? Uh, I picked The Best We Could Do by T. Bui. We had T. Bui early on on our show. I think uh, we interviewed her in like episode 11. So very, very early on. And uh, it's a graphic memoir about her family's escape uh, from South Vietnam during the war, all the way to their relocation in uh, San Francisco. Uh, and it's pretty much about like uh, displacement and how do you like rebuild your life after uh, after like something that was so traumatic. Yeah. And and apparently like a lot of people really like the book as well, because we've been getting a lot of positive reviews on on our Books and Boba Instagram. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's more and more stories these days about the refugee experience, especially Vietnamese and Southeast Asian refugees um, stemming from the conflicts in Southeast Asia in the 70s. And I think what Best We Can Do does really well is tell these stories in a way that's very accessible, right? You learn about things like not only war trauma, but generational trauma and refugee trauma and what that does to families and their sense of stability. It's a perfect book to give to someone to like 
get them into graphic novels as a, a storytelling device because it, it does its job really, really well. Yeah. And like, you know, graphic memoirs, like that's a relatively new genre, I think. And uh, we've been seeing it with a lot of like Asian and Asian American authors. So it's really awesome to to see that. Um, yeah. In literature. Yeah. Um, my pick was Dog Eaters by Jessica Hagedorn. Um, it's a book that I first read in Asian American lit class back at um, back in university. It's an older book. I think it was published in, I want to say, the early 2000s. It's a historical fiction book. It's a multiple perspective story about life in the Philippines during the uh, Marcos dictatorship. And reading it in a class where you were forced forced right to um to read critically it was the first time i was confronted with the ideas of like american imperialism especially cultural imperialism in like developing countries in southeast asia where where essentially the us was a colonizing power not only politically but also culturally during this time like the us was like trying to export American values, you know, capitalism, consumerism to the entire world in the in the effort to combat, you know, the rising communist regimes in Europe and Asia, and how America kind of exported our own class divides to to um, these countries as well. So um, it's definitely it's not an easy book to read. There's a lot of perspectives, and the book does jump around into a lot of characters, but. Um, it's definitely a book that helps you understand like the effects of Western influence in Asia during this time. Uh, so day 20 of our Asian books challenge was a middle grade novel by an Asian author. Uh, my pick was Stand Up Yumi Chang by Jessica Kim, who mm-hmm. we also uh, had on the show. We had a lovely conversation about uh, the Korean American experience. And uh, like I shared some of my Korean dad jokes. It was the highlight of the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But for those of you who don't know the plot, um, it's about uh, it's about a 11 year old Korean American kid who um, wants to become a comedian. But her immigrant parents, they are, you know, they're kind of like, well, you need to like be good at school in order <laughs> to like, ensure your future. Yeah, it's a hobby. And uh, pretty much what happens is she stumbles across this comedy camp that is hosted by her favorite YouTube comedian. And uh, they mistake her as a camper. Uh, and she pretty much, like, uh, accidentally steals someone's identity. So uh, it's it, it's a really fun book. Um, I recommend you guys listening to our conversation with Jessica Kim. Yeah. Um, my book pick is also with an author that we interviewed. Uh, it's the Peace Brought Chen series. It's a middle grade fantasy series about a... Um, young girl named Peace Brock Chen who enrolls in an elite academy for um, kung fu ice skating, um, which sounds pretty awesome. I actually gifted the first book to one of my nieces uh, because I love the premise so much. Um, I haven't checked in on her to see if, she, if she's actually read it, but uh, we had a really great conversation with Henry, um, the author, and uh, he's a cool dude. And it's, um, I know, Rira, you were really, um, you read both of these books already, right? Um, yes. Uh, longtime listeners of the show know. Uh, my obsession with figure skating. So I, it was a book that I uh, really enjoyed. It's really fun. And uh, if you have a kid, I'm pretty sure they'll enjoy it too. So yeah. All right. Day 21 story about Asian refugees. So for this one, I actually picked, um, I haven't listed it on my, on my profile. Yet. I haven't posted it yet, but uh, my pick was 
also um, the best we could do by T. Bui. I felt like this was a good place to uh, to put that book because it's all about the refugee experience um, for reasons we have already covered. Um, Rira, uh, how about you? Yeah, I recommended two books. Um, the first one I recommended was, was Exit West by Mosin Hamid. Uh, this is a book that we previously read for book club, and uh, it it it's pretty. It's a universal story about refugees and displacement. It's not just Asian refugees, which I really liked about the book. And it's a magical realism book where um, refugees are able to flee their countries through magical doors. So uh, magical doors, uh, magical portals, it's an element of fantasy that I really like. So I really enjoyed this book. It's also very short for those who want a lighter read, although the subject is pretty dark. So fair warning. Uh, the second book that I recommended was The Refugees by Viet Tan Nguyen. Um, I picked it because it had like the title is Refugees. How can I not pick it? Uh, Viet Tan Nguyen is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. His novel, um, we've we read his his novel for a book club. Um, his novel was The Sympathizer. Um, and The Refugees is a short story collection. So there's eight stories in it. And it pretty much explores uh, identity, sexuality, love and loss from a Vietnamese refugee uh, perspective. So uh, highly recommend you read Viet Thanh Nguyen's novel as well as his short story collection. Yeah. Um, so day 22 of our Asian books challenge was Asian Muslim main character. Um, I picked, I, I picked a previous book that we read. I picked a previous book club pick and that was Home Fire by Camilla Shamsi. Um, and the book is a modern day retelling of the Greek tragedy Antigone. And it's set in London uh, where tensions are very high with Islamophobic sentiments and the book follows two South Asian British families that are caught in this insurmountable gap between love and nationalism. So in the episode uh, where we discuss this book, we talk about what it means to be loyal to your family, what it means to be loyal to your country when you're considered an enemy of the state. So we discussed Home Fire in episode 87 of our show. So if you're interested in listening to that, go do so. Yeah, my book pick is also a past, um, actually a very recent book club pick. It's um, The Map of Salt and Stars by Zane Jokadar. Um, it's also another book about refugees. Uh, it's uh, set during the Syrian refugee crisis of the past decade and also um, 800, 800 years ago um, during like the um, the Crusades. And it's another kind of historical fiction, magical realism book similar to Exit West, um, but centers on the experiences of a young girl. Uh, I think she's like, 12 years old and her journey with her family to escape Syria um, during the uprisings that led to the civil war. Also not the most lightest read. There's a lot of um, terrible stuff that happens to this family, but it's also a, um, I mean, as far as I can see an accurate portrayal of being a refugee through the eyes of a child, which is something that a lot of people, you know, when, when people think about refugees, they think about like the teams of people trying to like, enter a country or seek safety. But, you know, sometimes you don't realize that these large groups of people all include individuals with their own wants, desires, needs, and importance, right? So for those of you who haven't read it yet, who haven't listened to our discussion yet, um, definitely check it out because it's, I think it's worth reading to 
um, gain some empathy towards, you know, towards refugees. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we're all caught up with our Asian Books Challenge. We only have one more week left. Yeah. And um, I think we're going to split next week's episodes up into two episodes, um, one to wrap up the Asian Books Challenge and one to discuss our May 2020 book club pick, which again is The Woman Warrior by Maxine Hong Kingston, a um, Asian American literary classic. Yeah. Um, I have not started yet, <laughs> uh, so I will have to uh, hurry up and finish it. Yeah, looking forward to discussing that book with you at the end of the month. Um, and for everyone else, thanks so much for joining us for this edition of Books and Boba. Hope you are keeping safe during uh, the lockdown um, and reading some good books. Yeah, now is a great time to read, especially with social distancing. So uh, definitely check out some of the recommendations that uh, we listed on our episode and also uh, check out the hashtag to see what other people are recommending. And uh, most bookstores right now are open for curbside pickups. So if you want to pick up a book, now's the time. All right. And that's a wrap on our episode. And we will see you guys next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Ri Ryu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.